Welcome to Profiles. Welcome to Profiles. A monthly podcast featuring industry disruptors. Tune in to hear the stories of people who weren't afraid to dream big, take chances, and shake things up. Hello and welcome to Provo Corner's podcast, Profiles, where we talk with industry leaders and disruptors to get their take on the world of promotional products and how they're shaking things up. I'm your host, Steve Woodburn, and we appreciate your taking time out of your busy day to schedule time with us. Little did I know when I interviewed him that this month's guest lives the glamorous life of a traveling salesman. Well, that's what he calls the series of somewhat facetious videos he creates on an irregular basis, describing things all of us who've traveled for a living deal with. Nutritional health food at gas stations, saving time ironing your wrinkled shirts before an appointment, or going to the bathroom between sales calls. Listen, that was a tip given to me by my my old industry by this guy named Derek Lejean. And uh, he, he was like, hey, man, it was a... It was a little job I had. He's like, I was riding with him when I was training. He's like, listen, man, we're driving. We're on the road all the time. You're going to have to go number two. You're going to have to do it. It's just going to happen. He goes, you ain't going to no gas station, man. Let's check this out. He's like, and I was like, why are we at a Holiday Inn Express? Or I'm sorry, a, a, a Hilton Garden Inn is where we were. Why are we at the Hilton Garden Inn, Derek? He's like, just just follow me. And we and he goes, just walk in. And we're going to go to the back. Just pretend like you stay here. I was like, okay. So we like walked in like. And they're like, hey, how's it going? Like, oh, hey. We walked and he's like, all right, sit here. And I did. And then he left. He came back. He's like, all right, you see, I just did it. I was like, what'd you do, Derek? And he's like, number two. And so I was like, oh, wow. And he's like, the bathrooms are clean. Smells good. It's a nice environment. We'll do some work here for 30 minutes and we'll go to our next appointment. I was like, wow, Derek, that's a pro tip. His videos are quirky, but what would you expect from a guy who emulated Weird Al Yankovic when he was a kid and wrote his own goofy songs? Our guest is Nick Latour, Director of Sales with industry supplier HPG. And while his videos are unconventional, he works hard to make sure HPG is seen in a positive light in the industry. I am the court jester. Uh, no, uh, I am kind of in a way, but um, my, my title is Director of Sales. And uh, um, internally, that means a lot of different things. And, and there, um, I have another... There, there are other directors of sales at our company, and we have a, another a, a sort of national sales unit that that I work on. But for me, what that means is making sure HPG is highlighted in all the best ways when I'm when I'm out when I'm in front of the big customers when I'm at the national sales meetings. I want to make sure that what you just said a second ago, our unique products and and our culture is really showcased well. So I direct sales across the board for our company. I have some internal focuses, batch and bodega, some of our specialty lines that I really work on a lot more heavily than the others. But at the end of the day, if you see me out, I'm going to have a can coolie from Best. I'm going to have a lapel pin from BCG. I'm going to have some products from Debco uh, uh, that you can get in Canada. I'm going to have handstands and Origadio and batch and bodega products. I'm going to have Evans products. I'm going to have Beacon products, Mixy products. I'm going to have everything with me to show. And if I left anyone out, just uh, we'll, we'll, we'll edit that in later. It's rare for someone to choose to make this crazy business of selling stuff with logos on it their career. So how did Nick end up here? The condensed version of this story is I worked in a totally different industry, which is kind of similar in a similar role. I was kind of like a vendor to a group. And um, one of the majority owners of that company also owns AP Specialties, which is a supplier here in our industry. And uh, 
I guess he liked me okay because he said, hey, you should come do this. And I was like, sell like pens and stuff? Uh, I don't know. That's kind of weird. That is, can you actually make money out of it? And as you and I know now, sure enough, you can. There's a, it's actually a pretty big industry. So, yeah, it was it was um, it was dumb luck that you know the awesome owners of this company kind of liked me and and offered me a position. And uh, yeah, I just kind of went from there. He's been at it now for eight years and loves how diverse the product offerings are and how creative people can find a place for themselves. So, what advice would he give someone just getting started? The advice I initially got, like when I first came into the industry and I, it, it took me three years to really understand, <laughs> understand what he meant. But he said, um, cause you know, you come into something and you go, Oh, well, well I want to see sales reports. I want to like, what, like, you know, you want to be strategic about your approach, especially as a salesperson, it's hard to just not know what you're doing. And he said, he's like, don't worry about any of that. Just go out and build relationships with people. I was like, that's can't, that's not, that's not really a business approach. That's not really a, you know, that's, it can't be measured really. Um, but there's something to that. Um, there's something to, um, learning because our industry is so weird, Steve, as we mentioned, um, it, learning sort of the ins and outs, um, of it, uh, taking it, taking some time to understand how it all sort of flows and works and then just making sure you're making the right connections with the right people and maintaining those because at the end of the day, we're a multi-leveled, thing with a supplier distributor end user sort of level and we all have to work together i'm not i'm not selling you this cup today but you know what in six months i might or a year i might it's a very long term you can say sales cycle i guess but really it's a long-term relationship and so knowing that it's it's you're not going to come in week one and start just cranking out you know widgets and just like busting out busting numbers and you know we're, we're we're dialing for dollars and all that stuff um there's something to the grind, but at the same time, you got to know it's all about building your, your, um, building relationships, but also building up your own personal sort of brand and your own reputation. That's sort of the most important thing that I've, I've found. You don't have to be smart either. Like, look at me, I'm an idiot. However, I like people. That's a realization I came to. I really do like people. I like talking to people, I like being in front of people. And, and if you have that, then you can actually turn it into something, which is kind of wild. And then COVID came along and totally changed how salespeople in the field did their jobs. But he thinks the after effects of the deadly pandemic have been positive for our business. Yeah, I think in, in many, many, many really good ways, actually. Um, when you're sort of isolated, but you have a product, a hard good that you need to try to sell. I mean, we're every business, you know, was initially decimated and then people who could figure out ways around it to sell PPE or other things that people actually needed and could buy at the time kind of thrived. Um, but like, but, but that's just it, you know, like our industry is full of a bunch of resilient sort of proactive, progressive people. And we figured a way through it. I think it affected different sort of, I guess you could say corporate layers differently. In other words, like a sales person, kind of like me or people who are out in the field talking to customers every day were affected. Um, like literally we, we couldn't get in front of our customers and talk to them face to face like we were used to. And so we had to figure out new ways to, to reach people effectively video, you, you know, the whole idea of zoom fatigue and zoom calls, um, say what you will about it. That it was the most effective tool was video during COVID by far, because we could actually connect with people and see them moving and 
see their cat running behind them across the dinner table and you know, things like this to humanize us. And, and, and it, it, it achieved a couple things. One, we could connect on a business level and actually talk work, but also on a human level, which is really what I mentioned a second ago, marketing is all about emotion and about appealing to someone's, um, you know, happiness or sadness or whatever it is to make them feel a certain way. So, um, I think it changed us all in, in the way we go about our daily business and has really added some tools to our tool belt moving into the future to now where we're sort of out and about back on the road again. But, um, but I'm still taking lessons from COVID every day to, to make my job more effective. As with many of our guests, Nick doesn't see artificial intelligence or AI as a job killer, but believes it can be a game changer in a lot of positive ways. I think the bigger um, applications in our industry are really just going to be time savers for production. I mean, because you could look at it from a sales standpoint and go, um, I need I need a good, I need to hire somebody. So I need a good job description for an account manager who does this and, and just spits it out. You don't have to spend time, you know, wordsmithing something. So those are the easy ones, sales scripts or things like that. What's a good idea to do this, blah, blah, blah. And it's sort of a, like an insight, like a more of a Google at that point. But what I think, where I think it can really help us is as we get smarter with our our integrations um, with, you know, things like promo standards and just order integrations. I can't tell you how many times an order gets messed up just because of one of the seven touch points when an order comes in slightly accidentally, maybe leaves out a little piece. And then now we have to redo the order or whatever it is, right? Um, from, from top to bottom, if we can streamline that AI ha- has the potential to pull in an order and know and like make those sort of uh, we don't think this is right. Let's change it. Let's make sure it ends up the right way so that it goes from here, point A to point B without any touch points. And we're cranking it out and printing it and sending it out the door. Um, also can be applied to our website. Um, we actually already are. I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. I know our, our uh, VP of marketing, Ben, who's who's a genius, um, is already experimenting with a lot of AI techniques with our website to where when people search for things, it kind of remembers what they typed in and then where they went and like, well, maybe they meant this. And so we can suggest things for them or we can actually make their experience at our website better because as people use it, our site will learn habits and make it more efficient for you to work with us in that way. So like, obviously I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. And like, I'm not a tech guy, but I just know that the applications I'm excited about AI like Meg, I'm excited about the potential for it. Um, at least in the next 10 years. And then of course, um, robots will take over and we're all going to die. I just want, I just want back to the future to be true. I want flying cars first. Can we just get flying cars before the robots take over, Steve? If you've been doing this long enough, you've seen how quickly things can change for the better or worse. So what does Nick see as some of the biggest challenges we face in the next few years? We hit on a couple of them, maybe just um, efficiency and sort of um, and sort of uh, sustainability in a different sense of like, you know, um, factories, uh, I guess uh, the sustainability of human capital. And we see a lot of things changing in China with not just labor laws, but factories doing things the right way. Also, the time it takes to get things from China. So, you know, how can we um, still make affordable products? and everyone be happy. So I think one of the biggest things that probably will change our industry is, and we're already seeing it, some more domestic local sort of manufacturing being done, um, more efficiencies within supply chain, who, who, which companies, which countries, frankly, are 
are making things and how are they making them and how is that helping the local economies, the economy as a whole? Um, um, I mean, I think probably like I hate politics, Steve, but it, it, it's, it invades our, our, our psyche, doesn't it? So, um, this sort of stuff with China and, and, you know, whatever's going to go on between our relationships with China, we're already seeing Vietnam as a, an emerging growing, um, country for manufacturing in general across the board. I think Mexico has a lot of room for growth and domestically USA too. So, um, I think probably that like where, where our stuff comes from, how we're making it is probably going to be the biggest, um, uh, challenge or change as, as, as we move forward. How, how does that work? How does that fit into our, our everyday businesses? What inspires him is the creativity of the people in our industry and how they can take a simple product and add value to it to make it truly unique. I would say at the top end of our industry, we've got some of the most creative and, um, while at the same time, business minded, like go get things done type, uh, distributors, um, anywhere on the planet. I mean, we are a capitalist society, so it makes sense that our, our marketing engines would be the best in the world. Um, but when I look around, I get inspired by some of our customers. I'm not going to name drop too much here, but, uh, I get inspired to see the types of projects people are doing. And then what that, what that tells me is that where they're getting these custom boxes and these amazing, cool tumblers with a, you know, a journal you've never seen before. They're getting those from suppliers, obviously, but that sort of communication and sort of our supply chain is much for as much inefficiency as we have. I think at the top end of our industry, we have some of the most creative minds and some of the most sort of problem solving, problem solving oriented people, um, uh, for something that seems so silly, a pen, uh, to get that in front of a million people who are going to the polling booths or, or whatever it is to make that all happen. I think the creativity and the pro just the overall problem solving that we employ as an industry is, is wild. It's crazy. Given his position in crazy videos he creates and his unique take on things, does he consider himself a disruptor? Yeah, I'm not a disruptor. I'm just, just a guy. Seriously? I don't think so. I mean, I would love to be considered that. Um, I don't know if I've disrupted anything. I, I, I guess, I guess I, I want to, um, I would like to have people look like, I would like to guide people to looking at things in a different way, or at least being like, it's almost as simple as like making them feel happy or like giving them a chuckle. Um, I don't, and I don't consider that disruptive. If it is, that's sad, you know, <laughs> sad if like making someone laugh or feel happy is like a disruptive behavior. Um, but I certainly do think we need to do things differently. I think that um, constantly it's the part of our progress as people is to keep our as salespeople, at least in this industry is to like always be the first thing I learned, Steve, let, here's a, here's the, the, the right little sort of nugget here. The first thing I ever learned besides the relation, like build relationships, which is a little more generic, you walk into an office, the very first question they ask, what's new, always what's new, what's new, what's new. And if you don't have anything new, they don't want to meet with you again. Right. That's, that's, you know, so it's gotta be a service or a product or something that's new. So let's constantly reinvent what we're doing to get in front of people, but also what we're offering to the public and, and, and how we're, we're showing things. So, um, in that way, I think I'm, I would like to be one of the people that's kind of pushing us forward and making sure we're showcased. Our industry is showcased in the right way. I don't know if it's disruptive though. 
kind of just a mush, mushy, sweet guy. Like I'm, <laughs> you know, don't, I live by the rule of don't be a jerk and, uh, just respect people until I guess they give you a reason not to, but even then just move on. Right. One of the things he believes suppliers need to do better is being more transparent as far as where an order is in production. And he uses Amazon as an example. I think probably supply chain transparency is a big, big place we can get better. If you look at Amazon, you know exactly where your stupid plunger is because your toilet got clogged and you need a plunger by this afternoon and you got on Amazon and you know exactly where it is and when it's going to be delivered within a tiny window, which is unbelievable. And I think we can, I think we can get close to that in our industry. In fact, part of what I mentioned earlier, what our marketing team's working on is a true, like I placed order PO one, two, three, four, go in my HPG system. Oh, it's now moved into production and then it'll be shipped and Oh, it's shipped now. And, and here's where it's on like have a whole platform where people know exactly where their things are at any given time. I don't know. I think the more transparent you, you can be, it accomplishes so many things. A, of course, people are well-informed and happy and they know what's going on. So they feel safer uh, and better about the process Two, It builds like in an ancillary way, it builds the relationship with them. Now they're like, Oh, I can trust and look what they've done. Like I trust Amazon. Should I trust Amazon? I don't know, but I do. I know if I need something, that's the first place I go. If I'm like, Oh crap, Lily's got a ballet recital and her, you know, hair ribbon busted. Like I can't, I can't make it to Walmart or target tonight, Amazon tomorrow. Boom, done. That's the first place I go because it's easy. And I know exactly what's going to happen because it's fully transparent. So I think the, the biggest room for improvement is probably transparency, uh, supply chain transparency. I think that scares people though. I think that maybe certain distributors might think that, Oh, well, if we know the whole process, maybe we'll get cut out of the system somehow. But in my eight years in the industry, always been with a supplier that no supply. That's another thing we don't do well. Suppliers aren't built for a retail, for a direct to consumer presence. It's just not, it's not, not how we are built. We're, we're built to make things, print them, house them, make sure everything's there to go out. But as far as that other end of it and getting it out to the mass, like we're not, not none of us, that there's a reason why we're so big and we're set up the way we are. No, nobody's looking to go direct in that way. The buzz around sustainability isn't going away anytime soon. And the promo business is, as some critics claim, the epitome of non-sustainability. So what's Nick's take on this? My daughter called me crunchy the other day because I think that, uh, because I don't like waste. I mean, you know, there's the adage in our industry of like cheap plastic stuff, cheap plastic. I can beat myself like when I say the S word here, but no, um, and, and, and the wastefulness of packaging and throwing plastic you know, stuff away, polluting the oceans. I'm not a big fan of making a mess and leaving it for someone else to clean up. I'm not a big fan of like having fish eating microplastics that then I will eat <laughs> later. So just from a general, a, a, a bigger standpoint, um, I think um, sustainability uh, really means efficiency and like almost health, if that makes sense. So if we can do things in a more efficient way that we can reproduce without, with minimal damage to the, to the earth or the surrounding areas or the local community. Um, uh, I'm all for it. And I know HPG in general, I'll speak for our company. We, we, we certainly have several tenants of a sustainability plan that are already in motion. We're getting an, an audit done by a company called Ecovadis that is looking at everything we do from top to bottom to make sure what, what not just the carbon footprint, which as we know is a little bit of a, misnomer sometimes when people say they have a net neutral carbon footprint, but 
where's our paper coming from for our printers? What, you know, what is this factory in India, China, Vietnam doing um, uh, from top to bottom? And, uh, and I think that it's not just a buzzword anymore. It's not just something that larger corporate entities want to ask about, but it's something that we're going to have to um, uh, employ uh, in, across the world because <laughs> of pollution and because I don't, I don't want to live in, a, in an environment that's clogged with all the trash that we made ourselves as human beings. So I don't know. Sorry, I went off in a little bit of a, as my daughter would say, a crunchy granola tangent there. But, uh, but um, certainly, I think it's, um, I think it's a growing uh, segment in our industry, like sort of the sustainability story that your product or your brand tells is is very important right now first, and then it's gonna, it's gonna need to grow into more of a um, physical. How are we fixing this this problem? The only constant in our world is change, and the markets for promotional products have become global. So how will this affect the future of our industry? I think our industry will progress. I think the next three, four, five years, actually, we'll probably see like a pretty sharp uptick. I think internationally is a, is a big thing, too. I know, by the way, side note, like this, the whole idea of this is going to be also granola hippy dippy. But like you look at the earth and like, well, you can't send stuff here without this happening because those people live there and we can't like all the rules of like tariffs and because just because of local law, like, come on, man, like we're all, <laughs> we really are very similar people all around. Like it is a very global, like we are getting closer and closer to being just a globe, a, a, an earth. And so um, I think that there's room to grow internationally. I think there's room to get over into Europe and into some of these markets that are close, a little closer to, I guess, the way the American economy kind of works because people get in, it's emotional, Steve. That's how we started. They're like people get like light up. How many times have you seen like a Houston Rockets, 1995 championship shirt and, you know, in a, in a third world country maybe, or something like this, like the, it can expand and we can actually be valuable with it and, 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 and be impactful and insightful with the way we go to market internationally. So I think there's, I think in the next five, 10 years, we'll have more of a global, view I'm, I'm i'm hoping at least that's my positive my like my optimistic view of it um but then also with that we need technology to improve we need we need to have our systems work smoothly and accurately um we're still kind of clunky in some ways with physically taking something and you know like we're literally etching into this thing <laughs> carving something like a caveman and then sending it to somebody um Machines can do it, obviously, but systems-wise can be much more. I think next five years is going to be systems and then expansion globally of uh, promotional products. The changes and disruptions in business come from younger people and those who don't know how it's always been done, asking the right questions. Like these younger, like different thinkers, um, call them a disruptor if you want, but like that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm right in the middle, I'm 45, so like I'm... I, I think I can understand that like, I grew up with eight tracks, cassettes, CDs, all that stuff. Like I, I kind of saw it all. So I kind of understand all that. My daughter's doesn't understand any of it. Right. So he's in this up and coming group of why are we doing that? You know, he's asking the right questions. Why, why, why is this happening this way? Why, why can't we do it this way? And I think those conversations are going to just help us to do things in a better way and more efficient way. Change is always tough, especially, you know, a lot of people change is very hard, but, uh, that's what we do. <laughs> That's what human beings do. Look at us. We've, we've got computers in our hands and, you know, 
and you and I are talking right now thousands of miles apart from each other about cool stuff. Like we couldn't have done this even 15 years ago. Nick is a smart and funny guy, so I wondered if he might be ready to do some stand-up comedy. That's one thing. I don't know if I'd be, you know, I'll talk to people and be goofy, but stand-up's tough, man. I like to listen to a lot of stand-up comedians, like watch YouTube videos of Norm MacDonald's hilarious and, you know, like rest in peace, Norm. But uh, like, I like to watch comedians and hear them because it's interesting. But thinking about getting on a stage with like a pre, you know, I think I would suck at it. Uh, but in a group of like our sales team, I can like come up with little funny one-liners. So maybe that's where I, what I'm relegated to. In one of his glamorous life of a traveling salesman videos on rideshare tips while on the road, he jumps into a car and it's his mom who's the Uber driver. What? Me and my mom have a great relationship, and you know it's and she was full. She was on board for it. She didn't know I was going to do that till I walked out. I go, hey mom, I'm going to open the door, pretend like. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pretend like you're my Uber driver. So just do whatever. And so I kind of got in and she just said a few things and it was perfect, but I just thought that would be like, I'm so here's the whole impetus behind Monday, the Monday stuff I do. And this, the idea of not taking myself all that seriously, or that we shouldn't be like, you know, Oh, look, like I'm a businessman. I'm traveling. I'm, I'm wearing my suit and, I, and everything's straight business. It's kind of like, you know, we're living our life. We have to get to the airport. We have to use the bathroom. <laughs> Let's get our job done. Let's work hard. But, the end of the day what you know what's it all about so the idea of like try, like being a fake influencer or something you know like look at me look well, i'm going to tell you how to do it but it's really just a you know goofy funny kind of thing that's kind of the whole inspiration behind it it's like just have fun with life you know nick is a perfect example of how not taking our business or life too seriously can help build a personal and professional brand that earns respect and trust and that trust and the relationships that result with our customers is what makes this such a fun and profitable livelihood for so many. If you haven't seen Nick's glamorous life of a traveling salesman or Mondays with Nick, check them out on his LinkedIn or Facebook pages for some laughs and pro tips for road warriors. And keep an eye out for Nick as he continues to create and disrupt with his humor and knowledge of what it takes to be successful in this crazy world of ours. From all of us here at Promo Corner, thanks for listening to Profiles. I'm Steve Woodburn, and we'll be back next month with stories of other disruptors and agents of change in the promotional products world. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this episode of Profiles. Tune in next month for another story of someone who wasn't afraid to dream big, take chances, or shake things up.